Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Happy Thursday, everybody. As Colin Taylor and I tape this show, South Carolina football, they are on the practice field for practice number 17, which means we are just getting closer and closer to that first game of the season in Charlotte as Gamecocks gear up to take on North Carolina in Bank of America Stadium. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to be doing more shows on Thursdays. We're taping this one because I really want to be able to go down the list of positions, pros, cons. Colin and I will be kind of playing off of each other. We kind of have our several positions that, you know, one of us will talk about the pro. The other ones will talk about the cons, the, the, the strengths and the weaknesses, if you will. So, Colin, let's get into it. Let's talk about the position that I know a lot of people are excited to see. Obviously, it starts with Spencer Rattler, but it trickles down. You look at just the depth in that quarterback room. So let's talk about the QBs first. Yeah, I get the the honor of doing the strength for this one, probably the easiest strength of any position on the team, and it's the strength of Spencer Rattler. Um, He has been met with rave reviews by every single person that has talked about him this preseason. Um, Juju McDowell called him an NFL quarterback this week. Uh, Marcellus Dials that he's not sure he's going to go up against a better quarterback all season. And that includes games with Drake May, games with um, a, a ton of other talented quarterbacks in the process. Uh, Trey Knox says he's hard to beat when he's clicking like this. So when you talk about the strength of this room, it's a veteran quarterback in Spencer Rattler, who from everything we've heard has taken another step inside this Logan's offense, going to need to see it against teams that aren't South Carolina, you know, but it seems like the strength of this group will be what is an NFL talent potentially at quarterback and and someone that has really kind of gotten his feet under at the SEC level and has taken another step for South Carolina. Now you get to talk about concerns. Yeah, concerns. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer for this segment because, again, we're going to be hopping around from positions to positions. So if you're upset with me, you'll get upset with Colin in a little bit. I I think – as much positives and it's ironic that I'm talking about this as a weakness after, you know, publishing a story yesterday about just how this offense is really clicking with Rattler, as you mentioned, and with Dal Loggins really just extending that leash. I think the concern though, is the fact that you do have a new offense. You don't know what it's going to look like right now. It's the honeymoon phase. It's the honeymoon phase until we see this team get onto the field. And you can say that about a bunch of positions on offense, but it starts with quarterback, right? What does it look like? Whether Rattler's out there, whether they throw a package in there with Lenora Sellers or Luke Doty, wherever the case may be, what does this offense look like? So it goes back to the quarterback. We know going back to last season, right? How the narrative was it was too complex at times and they made things a little bit more simple. And what happened when they made things a little bit more simple? Well, they put up 63 points against Tennessee. They went to death Valley and they beat Clemson. What will this offense look like? I do feel like this offense will get better as the season goes on, but what will it look like week one? And a lot of that, again, you could say this about a bunch of positions, but it starts with quarterback. 
what does it look like for Spencer Rattler and those QBs come week one? Yeah, and, and there hasn't been a missed play call on third down yet. You know, no one's missed a block. Spencer Rattler hasn't thrown it. Really, no one's missed a block. Breaking yeah, like, like we're wow. yeah, we're we're like you said, the honeymoon phase. What does what does that relationship and and Dowell Loggins and Spencer Rattler and, and even Shane Beamer have gushed about their cohesion with Loggins and Rattler? But what does it look like when adversity hits? How mm-hmm. does that relationship? They've built a really good one. You you would like to think that you know if the offense struggles for a game or Rattler doesn't play well for the first half of a game, what does that relationship and communication look like? And um, there's just a lot of unknowns right now with this offense. They're playing it very, very coy in terms of what it might look like. But um, I think there's optimism for what this offense can be, and it's in large part because of bringing a guy like Spencer Rattler back um, and, and getting him into the fold again with that Loggins. All right, that takes care of QBs. Let's move along. Let's stay with offense and talk about running backs. That's another strength that you'll be hitting on. I'll be talking yes. about the weakness or concern. I think yes. we just start with the concern naturally, right? Let's let's right. make this. Let's make let's let's have people feel good about the running back. Well, in on a high note. In on a yeah. high note. Yeah, exactly. So uh, naturally is just, and this is the phrase that I've used for months on our GC Live Talking Tuesdays, and I've used it in some of our stories as well, the lack of proven depth in that room. I mean, it goes without saying. There is talent when you look at that roster, when you look at it on paper, right? Even with the lack of experience that on Joyner has as a running back, you can find some pros, which Colin will get into in a little bit. But I think that's the – I mean, it goes without saying, right? We can talk about the O-line as well. Those are the two positions in particular – that you just have the lack of proven depth at, especially in the SEC as well. Mario Anderson comes in. Okay, did some good things at Newberry, but what does it look like at South Carolina? DJ Braswell, highly touted four-star out of the state of Georgia. What does it look like once he's here now if he's thrown into the mix? So we can go down the mix. Juju McDowell, as talented as he is, because of the guys that were in front of him the last two years, he doesn't have a lot of experience of being the guy. And, of course, going into the season, we expect him to be the number two guy, but I still expect them to use him a good bit because he is very talented. Again, lack of unproven depth is one of the biggest concerns at running back heading into week one. Yeah, and I think you talked about the the lack of depth, but I think you have an incredibly consistent high-floor guy that's going to be your starter at least in week one and to carry mm-hmm. on joiner i think that's a strength when you talk about a guy who has some big playability has he's just he's been steady eddie for you for so long comes to you know the old cliches of you know brings his lunch pail and first one in last one out all the cliches about being a gym rat and all that he just loves football and i think that you got that at the running back position that's really going to help just the, the consistency. I mean, we saw it last year where they could have a game where they pop off for five and a half yards of carry and just look the part running the ball, but they would have the games like Florida, like Missouri, like Georgia, where they just didn't get enough push up front. The running backs didn't make enough um, plays in a phone booth, for lack of a better term. And But I think getting back to the, the strength, to carry on Joiner is going to give you consistency. You know what you're going to get week in and week out with that guy. And I think an underrated part of him is the fact that he played 
quarterback mm-hmm. at the college level for a little bit. He understands what defenses are trying to do. He understands fronts, blitzes, all of those things. He's just another voice for Spencer Rattler. He can signal things. He can understand where the blitz is coming from, how they're about to attack it, help and pass pro. And with the receiver background, he can be a weapon out of the backfield in the pass game. So there are a lot of ways you can use him. And you have that high floor kind of guy that you know what you're going to get week in and week out that allows guys like Mario Anderson, guys like DJ Braswell, Juju McDowell, to have their role and develop at their own pace in this offense to gain some depth in that room to where you're not feeling like you have to throw DJ Braswell out there as a starter game one and just hope he's ready. No, you have a a piece there that you can allow the the guys behind him to develop at their own pace and help however they are ready to at different points during the season. And another area to point out about a possible strength for the carry-on joiner, at least one that we – expect would be his pass blocking and the reason being is in Monterio Hardesty pointed this out in the spring he has experience of being a personal protector now obviously it's not true apples to apples but the point being is he understands what it's like to be able to pick up a guy coming right at you and and being able to give your guy in this case would be the quarterback in comparison to the punter sometimes for him to be able to make a play so Mm -hmm. that's what running back is looking like we're going to stay with offense receiver and tight end so let's you talk get about here, buddy. You get the receiver position. Look, I think naturally it starts with juice, mm-hmm. and based on what Shane Beamer has said, has said, and I had an opportunity to speak with him at the Gamecock Central kickoff party. He's feeling fine. He's feeling fine. It's one of those things, though, that yeah, he's feeling pressure. No question about it from the fan base of being back out on the field. But that's part of being in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think outside of juice, though. I really like Xavier Leggett. I really like what they're going to feel like what they can do with Marion Brown this year, AB. And then from there, right, we can keep going down the list of who those other three guys are. You know, is it Omega Blake? Is it going to be an Eddie Lewis, right? You, you keep going down the list of the talent they have, Elijah, Elijah Cloudwell. Well, you know, what we've heard from the, about the true freshman. But my point is, I feel like they do have talent on the back end, and it's not just Juice. I mean, obviously there's a drop between Juice and Xavier Leggett and A.B. in terms of the production over their careers, even though Juice has only been here for one season. Juice has proven it here. He's proven it at James Madison. But I do feel like what Leggett did in that bowl game against the Gators, as well as how he responded, After having a couple drops early on in the year, we know that some of those turned into interceptions. I felt like he was able to get a spark, an extra boost from that kickoff return, start the game against Texas A&M. And after that, you really were able to see him start to come into his own offensively. So I think with this wide receiver room, they have depth. And as A.B. mentioned at USC Media Day, that – they have so many different guys when it comes to sizes. You have tall guys, you have short guys, you have fast guys, you have guys that are a little bit quicker in terms of just being able to play sideline to sideline ball and go out. I think they're really going to use the strengths of this wide receiver room. And it also plays into the fact of how Dal Loggins wants to make this offense look NFL style. A lot of it is just using sideline to sideline. It's not just the vertical game, which we'll see plenty of, but the speed they have. And I know people are like, what about Nick Harbour? He's be patient. Yes. Be patient with him. He has speed, 
He has speed, but I don't expect him to be in that top six mix right now. I think he can work his way into different packages, but I think right now as he's making the adjustment, because remember, he played tight end in high school, all right, from an offensive position, all right? And he's, he's in a different system where it's not just you're the fastest, you're the biggest guy. He's coming into his own. He's very intelligent. I think he'll be able to make an impact on special teams, but be patient with, though with Harbor. That's all I want to say so that people don't say, geez, why didn't you mention anything about Nick Harbor? Yeah. And, and that's a, you've mentioned the, I get the concern for this group. You've mentioned there is a clear cut top three when healthy in AB juice Wells and Xavier Leggett. The concern is just the kind of like with running back. There's just not a lot of proven depth behind those three guys who played a lot of football for you. When you talk about Omega Blake, who's been on campus for a while and, you know, has some big play potential, but just hasn't played a ton in actual Mm -hmm. games. When you talk about, you know, Peyton Mangrum, Eric Rice, Joseph Morris, guys that came in and, you know, some of them have been walk-ons. Peyton Mangrum was a former walk-on or a scholarship. They just haven't played. They've played a ton on special teams, but you haven't seen a ton of them from an offensive perspective. Then you then you get into this freshman class with some talented pieces: Nick Harbor, um, Tyshawn Russell, Elijah Caldwell. They might factor in as well, but you just don't have a lot of proven depth. And if those guys can click, then absolutely you have a really deep and and versatile receiver room. You just need to kind of get those guys going, get them some experience and find a way to bring them along. And even Shane Beamer mentioned this week in his press conference, that receiver room hasn't separated itself the way we might've thought through the first three weeks of camp. So finding that answer out once you start playing North Carolina and Furman, before you get into the the teeth of what's going to be a tough stretch in the sec, you got to find that, that core of three or four guys after AB, after Xavier Leggett, after juice Wells. And if you can do that, Yes, there's versatility there, but the concern right now is just the lack of proven depth behind those three entrenched starters when healthy. Moving along, let's go out to uh, tight end now. It's amazing, and I remember bringing this up with Jody Wright at, uh, at USC's Media Day. I said, Jody, boy, what a difference. What a difference a couple weeks and months make from where you guys were heading into that bowl game in Jacksonville to where the tight end room is now. Now I'll say this, and I'm not trying to dwell on the past. Jaheim Bell and even Nate Atkins, who was phenomenal in multiple ways, might not have always shown statistically, obviously he had more catches towards the end of the year, but you did have talent in that tight end room. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I think the talent they have, going back to one of the, I feel like a cliche that we're going to, when healthy, when healthy, this tight end room can be very special. And one of the concerns I had, not to take your concerns away, yeah. was whether or not they'd be able to find someone, and obviously it's still to be proven, find someone to kind of do some of that grunt work. And I'm talking specifically tight end. Obviously special teams is important too, that Nate Atkins was able to do. And I feel like based on what we've seen, in camp, and what we've been told at the tight end room, starting with, of course, Trey Knox, but Josh Simon has, has kind of been a more athletic version of Nate Atkins. 
And I say that because Josh likes to be physical. He's mm-hmm. a very physical tight end. Nate Atkins, of course, your, your classic lunch peel guy, puts his head down, similar to Pat DeMarco. Simon is just more athletic. He's, I mean, we've seen the way he jumps, and I mean, <clears throat> not saying that Nate Atkins isn't athletic, but the point being is I feel like there is an upgrade overall in this tight end room. And again, it starts with those two. You can keep trickling all the way down with some of the additions they were able to get, whether it be a Connor Cox or uh, an Elksness coming in from Florida. They do have some talented guys in that back end. Might be a little bit, you know, might take a little bit longer to, to develop some of those guys. But the fact that you have two guys that can go right in there, specifically Knox and Simon, I really like that duo. And again, because of the skill sets that both of them have, they're guys that can go out there, make catches, but they're also two guys that enjoy blocking. They can go out there. They'll stick their nose in there. Elks just actually talked about special teams. He likes sticking his nose in there, but blocking. You have a physical tight end room. And talking about running backs, all right, we can talk about the O-line, which we will in a little bit. Being able to get some additional blocking on the outside from your tight ends as well as receivers it can really make a difference in the run game. So I really like where the tight end room is right now, at least on paper, if not look and and be as healthy as he was. Because, again, we've seen him out there with the sleeve on his knee, the brace on his knee. He seems okay, but hopefully he'll he'll perform that way once we get to week one. Yeah, that's that's my concern. It's the health. If You just got to stay healthy because, yes, they've done a really good job restocking the tight end room. But when you get past Trey Knox and Josh Simon, kind of like with a few other positions, it, there's not a lot of proven depth. Elksness has been at Florida for a couple years, but you know, was more of a special teams guy during his time. Then you add in the tight ends, who are you know McKeska and Connor Cox, and to a degree Cam Sandler, who's been working more with the the running backs in preseason camp. You just got to stay healthy. You got to keep Trey Knox and that knee. Good. He's going to play against North Carolina. He's even said as much. Um, but you got to keep both of those guys healthy because when they are, yes, you have two veterans, two guys who are really good at blocking, two guys who can stretch the field vertically and horizontally. Just really good mismatch problems and different skill sets on top of it. I think South Carolina, if I was the offensive coordinator, I think they're going to be a pretty heavy 12 personnel team just because they can be. Um, 12 personnel being two, one back, two tight ends, because you have the the personnel to do it. So my concern is just staying healthy. If you can get Trey Knox back to 100%, which he seems to be on track to do, then you're really cooking with gas there. But the concern is just being able to still stay healthy, both of those guys, over the course of a 12-game season when they're doing a ton in this offense in terms of blocking, in terms of pass catching, in terms of playing special teams. So – that's my biggest concern moving forward with, with this um, tight end group. I'm going to let you lead us off about the offensive line because it's ironic that I have to sit here and talk about the strengths after I've said for months that it's one of the biggest question marks with this offense. A bigger question mark in my mind than the running back group, despite some of the talent they have. And I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to be positive because yeah. – that's the straw that I drew talking about the strengths of the O-line, but lead us off though with some of the concerns that you have about this offensive line. Yeah, it's, it, it has to be the tackle positions. Um, 
that if you are South Carolina, I think you probably feel pretty good or not to take some of your, your positives away from it, but you feel pretty good about the interior, you know, and, and the bodies you have inside with Garjulo, with Vershawn Lee, with a, a bunch of different pieces. It's finding those tackle bodies and coming out of the second scrimmage. That's when Lonnie Teasley and Shane Beamer and Dow Loggins probably would have liked to have had that group settled so they can start getting more consistent reps. But I mean, you heard Shane Beamer and Dow Loggins this week still say, Hey, there's a position battle going on at both tackle spots, whether it be Sydney Fugar, Tashawn Wanamaker and Kaysen Henry at uh, right tackle, Jackson Hughes or um, Ja'Kai Moore at left. Like there are still position battles there and, if you're South Carolina, this offensive line needs to drastically improve in both the run and pass game. And if they can do that, yeah, the offense could take a step forward, but you have to be able to protect Spencer Rattler to do it. And that comes with a lot of the tackle position. Um, so if they can shore up the tackle spots, that's my biggest concern just because even if whoever wins it is outside of Ja'Kai Moore and Tyshawn Wanamaker, they haven't played a ton at the SEC level, whether it's Fugar, Kaysen Henry, Jackson Hughes. They just haven't played a ton. And so whoever wins it is still going to probably have some growing pains. So my concern is being able to, to solidify that tackle position quickly because you don't get to ease into the schedule. You're playing North Carolina. Then you get Furman, a 10-win FCS team last year. Then you get Georgia and Tennessee and Mississippi State. So – you got to figure out that tackle position fairly quickly um, if you want this offensive line to reach, you know, its potential early in the season at least. Yeah, Furman actually ranked sixth in the coaches' poll in FCS heading into the season. I know some people could be like, "Oh, Furman by forty points." I get that, but yeah, it, I, think that, I think that could be a good. I think that could be a good game early on. And I think South Carolina should beat Florida. They will more than likely be double-digit favorites over yep. the Paladins. But it's still a, a, a good FCS team. It's not like Charleston Southern a couple of years ago yeah. was power ranked as one of the worst FCS teams, and you saw you're not happened. playing. You're not playing a a, a TikTok yeah. tech or a cupcake team, right? You're playing a, a quality yeah. FCS opponent. They're so, gonna bang. They're gonna bang you up a little bit, and then you yeah, got Georgia sure. the next week. So you know we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about those matchups yes. in the next couple of weeks. It's probably people rolling their eyes right now. And again, I'm not saying that Furman's gonna beat South Carolina. What I'm saying is I think this is a team that's going to come out hungry and yes. it will be a good first quarter game. And then after when that you, point, South Carolina should be able to take control just because they're bigger, faster, stronger, and hopefully the offense is gelling mm-hmm. after week one a little bit so they're able to get some momentum. And that's what you need before you play Georgia. Right. So continue. Now you get to come up with some strengths there, Yuva. What you got yep. is the, the strengths of this offensive line. Oh, boy. Well, I think honestly – the fact that you have the ability to plug in Nick Gargiulo practically anywhere in the offensive line. I mean, here's a guy that coming in, we all assumed he was going to be the center heading into this season. And the beauty of the experience that he has at Yale and just the tenacity, the strength, the knowledge, whatever you want to say positive about Nick Gargiulo I mean, shoot, we'd have a, you know, a CVS receipt for crying out loud. You know, you'd hold it up here and go to the floor. So Gargiulo is one of those guys. We talk about some of those weaknesses. God forbid, God forbid they feel like the tackle position, especially the left tackle position, right? If they feel like the tackle position is an area where they have concern after week one, 
and it could be in the middle of the game or week two, whatever the case may be, Gargiulo is a guy that you can move around and it could hopefully cover up some of those blemishes. So I, I start with Gargiulo because, again, yes, he doesn't have experience of playing in the SEC, okay? But from everything that we've been told, everything that we've been told, and I can tell you going back from my college coach who had a game plan against him when he was at Yale, first thing he told me when he came to South Carolina, he's like, Mike, this guy had no business being in that conference. He is a stud. He is a dog, okay? I mean, it's rare that you have teams having to game plan against an offensive lineman for crying out loud. That's how good he was. That's how good he was. Uh, so I say that because Gargiulo has come down here. He's earned the respect of his teammates. We've heard that from uh, numerous everybody, players. Everybody, yeah. Every player, whether it be offensive lineman, whether it be Spencer Rattler. He is one of – I think the exact phrase from Fugar was he's the heart and soul mm-hmm. of the offensive line. What does that tell you? Okay, so again, I start with Gargiulo because I feel like he is going to be a vital, a vital part to the success of this offense. Now, talking about pros, it can't just be one guy, right? What does Vershawn Lee do? There's some question marks because you're replacing 60% of the starting snaps on the offensive line from a year ago. Vershawn, yes, he was in a center, but he has experience of being up front. And he has slowly become a leader on that offensive line. Obviously, Gargiulo is just a natural leader. He's the only captain at Yale. What does that tell you, right? I mean, a program like that, 130-plus years of football. But Vershawn Lee is a guy that has come in. He has good leadership. And the fact that he's been able to mess, mesh with Gargiulo, some of the other transfers that have come in, I think it just speaks volumes of the leadership that he has. So with this offensive line, I, I think the big question is, obviously, the things that you mentioned – but how quickly can they gel? How quickly can they come together? We've heard from preseason camp that they're meshing pretty well together and they're doing little things by coming in outside of the allotted time that the NCAA allows their student athletes to be there. They're coming in as a unit to go over different uh, scenarios, to watch film together, to be able to build that rapport. So I I think it should make you feel a little bit better. And the other thing too is, and it, it all depends the way you look at it. It's kind of like a glass that's half full, half empty, is you do have a new offensive scheme. I felt like at times last year with the zone blocking, even the last two years, they really struggled with it. They really struggled. I feel like you'll see more man blocking this year from the offensive line. That doesn't mean that you won't see any zone blocking. You'll see some zone blocking as well. But they really struggled. They really struggled as a unit for whatever reason with zone blocking. And I feel like based on what we've heard from Dow Loggings about Rattler and just the offense as a whole, he's really took into account what the players are giving him uh, as feedback mm-hmm. and playing off the strengths and weaknesses that they have. So that's why I feel like, again, there's a lot of question marks about this offensive line, but the fact that they have a new offensive coordinator who is a player's coach and he's taken into consideration what his players are telling him I think we could see some of those those concerns at least covered up for the first two weeks of the season before you play, obviously, a very, very good Georgia team week three. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll learn more about this offensive line as the the first few games go on. Um, but now we get to transition, Mikey, to the defensive side of the ball mm. where we get to talk now about the defensive line. 
Do you want to do concerns first on the defensive line? Because I get concerns. Yeah. Do you start with the concerns. Yeah, we'll start with concerns with the D-line. We'll work our way back. We'll go D-line, yeah. linebacker, and go back to defensive yeah. back. I get a lot of the – this is my <clears> last concern. I get strengths to close us out. Now look at you. I'm going to be I'm going to be the wet blanket in the room. Yes. So, I think with the defensive line – What's your, yeah, your positive there for the defensive line? That you do have experience – in certain spots up front, pretty much all spots, really. Yep. You know, you look at Tonka Hemingway coming back. You have Boogie coming back. And this is going to probably play into some of your concerns, which I'm sure will be uh, either strength, I mean, uh, either health or proven depth. But you have guys like that in the interior. Obviously, that's going to be very difficult to replace Zach Pickens, which I'm sure you'll talk about for D-tackle. You go to the outside. And, yes, while they have been able to bring in some talent over the last couple of days from the transfer portal at Edge, and they've been able to – I mean, shoot, they've been able to bring in some talented guys like a Desmond Umio Zulu. I think the big thing is can those guys stay healthy, which, again, I'm sure you'll talk about. I, I just feel like Jordan Strong coming back, Terrell Dawkins, if they can just give you just even half, right. even half of what they could have given you last year if they were 100% healthy – I feel like it can be enough to help South Carolina develop some of those young guys behind them, some of the guys that have either come in as transfers as well. Give them some time. Give them some time so that you can build some depth. I I think based on the talent that they have in that edge room and even in the defensive tackle room, but especially the edge, just give your guys enough. And I know you don't really have the time because you got to play North Carolina week one. Yeah, we're nine days away. Like, yeah. It's but, when I'm, but what I'm saying, time is do enough week one against North Carolina. Do enough against, even though we've mentioned that Furman should be a team that you should, I mean, Furman will be a team that could come in here and give you some headaches, at least early on. It should be a team that you take care of as the game plays out. If they can get through those first two weeks healthy, and just giving the younger guys behind them and the transfers that have come in time to get acclimated a little bit more, you're going to really see, I feel like, an edge room and a defensive tackle room that can get better as the season goes on. I feel like there will be improvements uh, on offense. We're talking about the offense as a whole, but specifically the defensive line, too, when we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. I think they'll get better. It's just, can you be healthy enough? Can you be healthy enough to give the guys behind you enough time to improve. And I think, look, if Strong can stay healthy, I mean, he was the guy last year going into the season. I I thought he was going to lead the team in sacks. I thought he was going to be a guy that was really going to be high up on draft boards just because of the talent that he has and what he's proven in the past. I mean, shoot, a couple of years ago before he transferred in, he led, he was tied for first, but he led the country in in sacks. Mm -hmm. So, what does that look like coming back from another leg injury? And, you know, for Trell Dawkins, he's been dealing with injuries throughout his whole career. That's another positive before I toss things over to you. I've, I talk about it a lot with players. The mental side of it, more so than the physical side, is what I'm concerned about. We usually see guys when they come back, and you can mention, I know some people are, you know, very anti-Marshawn Lloyd right now. I get it. However, the point being is Marshawn Lloyd last year, he had a pretty decent season. He had a pretty decent season. Well, what happened the year before? He was coming back from that 
ACL injury that happened the previous year. So it took him an extra year to really get back. We saw that with Nick Muse when he went through an ACL injury. With Strawn, though, and he's mentioned this, because he's gone through this injury before, he feels confident that he'll be able to overcome some of those mental hurdles that you struggle with as a player when you come back from that injury. So hopefully that will be the case. Because, again, if Strong can just give you even 50%, 50% of what he could give you a year ago, could have given you a year ago, I think South Carolina will figure things out up front of the D-line as the year goes on. Yeah, and, and that's a big thing, too, that getting Strong back. I don't think we talk enough about how big that is for this defense. The question then becomes being able to stop the run. And I know that's an entire defense that's an, an entire defense thing, but it starts up front with your defensive lineman being able to set the edge and funnel things back towards the, the teeth of the defense, your linebackers, your secondary. If you're able to set the edge, then you're really cooking with gas when it comes to being able to stop the run. And that's a that's been a question for this, this defensive line. And uh, they struggled at times to set the edge last year. Now you bring in Jordan Strawn, who's a big physical defensive end who can get after the quarterback at the same time. Drew Tuazama, a bigger dude, able to stop the run. JT Gear has the body for it. Like these are all bigger bodied guys who can also get after the passer, but can they take the next step to tackle better, to get after the quarterback and stop the run? So it starts with stopping the run. I think that that's the biggest concern. I think they'll be able to get after the passer. I'm not worried about that portion of it. When you look at, you know, Tonka Hemingway, even from the interior, Tonka Hemingway, Boogie Huntley, TJ Sanders as your top three, then you have factor in the edge group as well. It's being able to set the edge and tackle on the interior so that those, the four or five yard runs you were giving up last year turn into, you know, two yard runs or even tackles for loss this season. So, my concern is being able to set the edge. If they can do that, this defense has a chance to take a step forward, especially in the run game. But um, that's it's going to be one of those situations where you have to go out there and see it and see how Strong comes back from you know, this injury, see how other guys develop and, and stay healthy. But if you can do that, then I think this defense has a chance to go pretty take a pretty significant jump up and run defense. All right, let's move back now to linebacker. And this is – in the area similar to the defensive line, we're going to sound like a broken record. But to me, the first thing that you have to talk about when you, when you mention the uh, the linebacking group is just how healthy they are going into week one and how healthy can they stay throughout the course of the season. Right now, when you look at South Carolina's depth at linebacker and some of the guys, right, you think about Amokaba coming back, and I think Clayton White mentioned it just yesterday when he spoke with the media is that he's not playing a hundred percent to the, to the status of who Mokaba is when he is healthy and they're working back towards that. If he's able to get closer to that, then obviously that will be something that will, that will get you excited uh, about, you know, not just Mo, but the linebackers as a whole, but stone bland, we've seen him unfortunately working off to the side and that was, you know, we're not able to practice yeah. completely. Um, we haven't been out there at practice looking. Do, 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 do. It's been what? The 17th, I think. Yeah. You know, So it's been about a week since we were able to view practice. And I don't think practices are open for the media moving forward now as we get ready uh, about a week to go now until the first game of the season. And we've also seen Pop Howard 
in a blue non-contact jersey, which Shane Beamer said on Tuesday he's out of that jersey. He's good. But I bring those things up because we can keep mentioning names here. Debo Williams, you know, obviously as well. How healthy are they going to be heading into the year? And that health concerns me because, yes, you do have some really, really, really talented young linebackers, right? You think about the young linebackers, we mentioned them, Pop Howard and Stone Bland. It starts with them. It starts with them. And whether those two guys are your two deep guys to start the year, they're going to be used at some point. Mm -hmm. They're going to be used at some point, especially Stone. The reason why I think the reason why I didn't say Pup and more so Stone is because naturally Stone's already been here for a year. Yeah, Pup has the body. Pup has the body Pup of a grown freaking yeah. man. I mean, you see the pictures of him on his official visit, or one of his visits, I should say. I think it was an official visit, though. It was when Clowney was getting his jersey retired, and he's shaking hands with Clowney. He's practically Clowney's size. Same size. Yeah. yeah. So again. I think with puppets is how quickly can he, and it sounds like he's done a great job with it, but how quickly can he adapt to the college game, college speed, understanding the intricacies that come with filling the gap and making sure that you are, you know, your gap integrity is strong and doing those little things. Because again, we know that he can run. We know that he could jump. We know that he can tackle, but can he do the things that you need to at the college level? And, that's not to say he's not capable of doing it. I don't want to put fear in people's it. mind. It's just that we haven't seen it yet, which is to no fault of his own. He just hasn't played in a college game yet. I think he's going right. to be okay. But how yes. quickly can he do that? Because as much as people want to just point the fingers to the defensive tackles, the defensive ends, when we're talking about the stopping the run, South Carolina allowing 198 yards rushing per game last year. It's not just the D-line. Linebackers play a big, big part. And if you go back and watch last year, there were many times, many times that USC struggled with their linebackers to fill the gaps and do what they were supposed to do. Be the 111th, as we always talked about back in college. It's the, Every friggin' team talked, be the one, do your 111th, do your job, don't try to do too much. And that's the only thing that concerns me with young linebackers because, again, right. with the health, if the, if the veteran guys aren't healthy in front of them, the young guys, it's your turn now. And you you can't piss down your leg now. You have to be ready to go. Yeah, and that's a concern. I will say my strength and qualify it with given everyone is healthy. It's Stone Bland and Debo Williams. Like, though, that's, that's the strength. That these two guys, after being thrown into the fire last year, with injuries to guys like Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson over the course of a season, those two dudes had to play a ton of football for you last year. Debo, a I believe a redshirt freshman at the time, uh, and Stone, a true freshman, yes, they had to play a ton, and I think that's going to benefit them. And, and even Clayton White was like, they've taken the step. Like they, When they are out there, they have taken the step forward, not just to be big hitters, but to be cerebral and understand what's going on and not just find ball hit, hit guy holding ball. I think that's a good thing for South Carolina, not just from a production standpoint on the field, because that's what you want. But now you, if you're Clayton White, it's not like you feel like you have to be forced to play Mokaba and start Mokaba and give him 50 snaps in a game, game one. You're allowed to bring him back from that ACL a little bit easier. 
he he's not pressured to go out there and, and start and you get to bring him back at his own pace. And I think that because of the depth, because of them taking a step forward is a big strength of this team and this linebacker core to pair with power being really freaking talented and, and a high upside guy. And you have some really good pieces. And I think that the depth, this might be one of the, the deeper South Carolina linebacker rooms they've had since I've been covering the team, at least since Shane Beamer's been the head coach at South Carolina. And I think that that's going to be a real strength for this unit moving forward. All right, let's end this on a positive note with defensive backs. So I'll you get the, you the, the, the weakness or the concern first. Yes, I'll talk about the concerns. I think naturally, when you look at South Carolina's defensive back core, yes, you you feel good in the back end, and that will be something you'll talk about, I'm sure, with Nicky Minwari and DQ Smith. From a cornerback standpoint, even though I am high on Marcella Style and OD Fortune, we can also throw David Spalding in there at nickel. From a cornerback standpoint, you're losing two very talented guys in Darius Rush and Cam Smith. So as much as we've seen that next man up mentality over the last couple seasons since Torian Gray has got here, and even going back before that, just the talent that South Carolina has produced in that defensive back room over the last couple seasons, even going back during the Will Muschamp era, USC – has done a really, really nice job of developing talented DBs. Yes. However, you cannot just assume that it will always go that way. As good of a job as Torian Gray has done, especially when you're replacing, like I mentioned, Cam Smith and Darius Rush, two guys that were drafted this past year. And, of course, as we know, Cam Smith was drafted freaking freaking pretty high. You know, yep. Darius so, Rush, too. Yeah. The guy that so, was ranked outside of the top one. How do you how do you replace those two guys, right? We've heard that DQ Smith and Nicky Worry they've become more vocal leaders. But, again, what does that look like when they're on the field? God forbid, God forbid something happens at some point, right? You know, crap hits the fan. How do they respond back to that? Because they're still young DBs. You don't have Darius Rush out there to kind of put your arm around you and say, hey, hang in there, young fellow. You're going to be all right. You know, right. you're going to have Marcella style. You're going to have OD fortune. You're going to have David Spaulding out there, but they're going to be in new roles. You know, Spaulding, of course, he started a bunch of games at nickel a couple of years ago until Carlin's Patel came in. But my point being is you need to, you need to develop that leadership out there. And it can't just be from the younger guys at safety. Marcella style, OD Forching, Spalding, one of those guys is going to have to step up as well because, again, you have two talented, talented safeties, but they're still young. And I do feel like they're going to do a nice job of being vocal leaders, but at the same time, too, they're young guys. They're sophomores. So that's something that concerns me a little bit of just being able to have that voice out there that can help those guys up if they need that pick-me-up. Yeah, I think your strength's your top three or four guys, you know what you have. Nicky Minwari and DQ Smith, you know, maybe when you look in the SEC, I don't know if there's a better one-two punch at safety right now. Uh, I mean, the, it's a top three or, or four group in the league in terms of safeties. Then Marcellus Dial, he's taken the jump. Yes, there's questions about going from the, the number three or the number two corner to being the guy, but he seems to be ready to take that jump. 
The staff seems to think he's ready to take that jump. So that's great. OD Fortune seems to have really brought himself along. And the physical tools have always been there. It was just about getting him reps and getting him more mentally consistent. If he's done that, he's got a chance to be a really good corner for South Carolina as well. So you have faith. It's a very, very strong top four for South Carolina, I think, on paper. That's something that you can really hang your hat on. You know, you mentioned the concerns about what comes next at nickel, what's after those guys if they get banged up for some reason. But you have another strength. You have a really talented young core of DBs, inexperienced maybe. But when you look at Keenan Nelson, Emory Floyd, who's taken some reps with the ones, Vakari Swain, who's a top 50 fringe player in the on three rankings, Jalon Kilgore, who was a um, blue chipper that comes on campus in the spring and is like, yep, he's in the two deep. Like, I fully expect Jalon Kilgore to be in the two deep once that's released next week. So Mm -hmm. you have a really young core and a really good top four. It's just about getting those from where the top four is in this young core and kind of getting that young core to, to meet that top four. Um, but it's a really deep, it's a really, it's, they went out and tried to restock the heck out of that room, Torian Gray and, and Shane Beamer did. And I think they've done a good job of it. It's just a matter of getting those young guys up to speed, but they're, it's a talented, talented group. Another strength as well is that you have arguably one of the best defense back coaches in the country and Torian Gray and what he's been able to prove in his first two years. Special teams-wise, I know we didn't have this down here, but I I do want to mention this when we're talking about strengths. Obviously, it starts with Pete Lembo, right? But a lot of people will naturally say Kai Kroger and Mitch Jeter, which I understand. But on top of that, and Beamer has pointed this out so many times, and I'm so glad he has, it's not just those two guys. You also have your starting long snapper back in Hunter Rogers. Your starting and, holder back. And your heart starting mm-hmm. holder. Like the, the fact that you have your holder and your starting long snapper back, especially the starting long snapper, because he's doing, you know, the long snaps for punts and kicks for uh, PATs. That is so massive because when you talk about operation time and how quickly the ball's getting kicked. But as a kicker, just the little things, right? The Kai Krogers of the world, the Mitch Jeters of the world, just knowing that your operation time should be around the same as it was the previous year, that should make you feel good. And mm-hmm. the guys that are around them, it feels like, based on what we've been told, listening to Pete Lembo yesterday and listening to Pete Lembo going back to USC's media day and even listening to Kai Kroger at SEC media days, you have players that want to play on special teams now. Well, we hear that all the time, right? They're trying to help their draft stock. They want to, whatever the case may be. But listening to Kai, listening to Mitch, the sigh of relief that they feel knowing like, hey, we have guys out there that truly want to be out here. I'm not going to have to worry about them missing a blocking assignment. Now, listen, things happen, okay? I don't want you to, I don't want people to clip this. God forbid there's a block kick or a punt, whatever the case may be. And hopefully that won't be the case. But the point being is you have guys out there that want to be, that want to be out there on the field. I promise you, it's yes. not even Division Two, II, Division Three, or FCS. I guarantee you, you can find players in the SEC. I guarantee you, you could have found players at this very university at South Carolina a couple of years ago that did not want to be out there on special teams. That has changed now. That has changed, and that makes a major, major difference 
if you are a punter like Kai Kroger, a kicker like Mitch Jeter, a long snapper like Hunter Rogers or a holder, that makes those guys feel so much mm-hmm. better because they know they have guys out there that want to be there. Absolutely. And you got to figure some things out from a return specialist perspective, kickoff return, punt return. But um, there are things I'm worried about with this team. I don't think special teams is one of them. The only thing that you could find as a concern is the fact that teams are going to be ready for fakes. They're yeah. going to be ready for the the but, unknowns. But here's the thing. If if teams are spending oh, it's 15 a pro- minutes in a practice. It's a positive. It's a, it's, it's a negative, even though it it can be a concern and a negative or whatever you want to phrase it at the same time too, like you said, on the other side of that coin, they're going to have to spend more time. And I can tell you, I mean, shoot, there were times in college where we would be preparing a team, preparing for a team. I think it was Stonehill. They had one of the best punt returners, kick returners in the country. He had at the time, he had the record for the NCAA, all divisions for returns for touchdowns. That's been broken. Shout out to Deontay Hardy, yeah. proud product of my alma mater. Now he holds the record on all divisions. But the point being is because they were so talented on special teams, you spent so much time preparing for that. And it took time away from being able to go out there and spend time on your offense. And when you do that, shoot, is it going to surprise people that we came out and we looked like crap on offense that day? No. So, I mean, North Carolina, you want to talk about putting their coordinators and putting Mac Brown's head in a pretzel, never mind the fact that you have to prepare for an offense that you don't know what the hell that's going to look like. They've probably been watching footage and film of Dow Loggins from his NFL days, mm-hmm. right? They've probably have watched fo- film from South Carolina over the last couple of years. They've probably watched Rattler. Arkansas. From- yeah, Arkansas. But they're also preparing for on Joyner. They're also preparing possibly for Lenora Sellers. And on top of that, you have to prepare for special teams. So this defense that we've talked about, the lack thereof for North Carolina, boy, okay, they're going to be spending a lot of time trying to prepare for all this and special teams. That offense is not going to get as much work. They have a very talented quarterback, and I know Gamecock fans are tired of hearing about Drake May. Get that. But they're not going to be able to spend as much time because they're going to be doing all of these other things. Colin, I think we hit on practically everything. Yes. I feel pretty cool about it. Good for you. And we appreciate everyone that listened. We're going to put this up on the podcast. So if you're listening to this on the Gamecock Central Podcast, we appreciate you guys doing so. If you're not a subscriber already, subscribe today to be able to get Updates on any time, a new episode such as this or one of our GC Live shows drop as well, and we'll throw some extra shows in there as well. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Mike Yu. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Talk to you guys next Thursday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.